Thank you for tuning into this week's message from Freedom Church CO in Woodland Park, Colorado. If you want to know more about us, you can visit freedomchurchco.com or follow us on social media at Freedom Church CO. Well, um, we're so excited to be here with you, Pastor Tessa and obviously Pastor Joe. Thank you so much for having us here. It's always a privilege for us to be here every year. And um, I think it's really important that this topic is being taught in church because the world is not shy about sharing about their opinions of what relationships should look like. And of course, we all know where that's going with the world. So it's important that the church body is speaking boldly about what relationships should look like, what godly relationships were established to be. And uh, we're just excited to be here and be part of that. Amen. So, well, I know that uh, this is an important series because, and I know we've been able to do it the last couple of years, which has been a lot of fun. But this is an important series because God is a God of relationship. And that's the biggest thing that he also wants to reveal uh, through us, not just to us, but through us what relationship looks like. Because it says that, that the world would know that we belong to him by the way we love one another. And so love and relationships becomes something that is a huge part of the reflection of God. Therefore, that's why it's such an attack of the enemy. And so we love teaching about relationships. We've been teaching about relationships um, together for probably our whole 16 plus years. We've been married almost 16 years. And it was funny. I remember the very first time I ever taught relationships with Mike. It was funny. We had um, our, our engagement was long distance. I was a missionary in Russia at that time. And he was going to be joining me back in Russia because we had met there. And so we had this long distance engagement. Probably six months engagement was long distance from Russia. So a lot of phone calls in the morning, a lot of phone calls in the evening, right? And a lot of money spent on phone calls because there was no FaceTime or Skype or anything back then because we're old. And... <laughs> So, uh, oldish. And um, so I remember we were doing in St. Petersburg, one of the things that we had done for years is we had done uh, a conference called Passion Within. And Passion Within was a conference that we talked about love, sex, and marriage, and then really talked about uh, God's view of it. Well, the Russian church didn't talk about that stuff at all. Like, you don't talk about it. And so, of course, the Americans came in and said, let's talk about it. And so all the pastors sent all their young people to us, which was great. And so it was an amazing way. And so that, that particular conference was our biggest, best one we'd ever done at that point. Bigger hall. We had over, you know, 300 some kids. TBN was there uh, filming it for television. I mean, we had a syllabi and I had buckets and buckets of food ready for teenagers. It was going to be an awesome time. And I had no peace. I was like, something is not right. I mean, it was an amazing syllabi. And it was stuff we'd put together and it was just like, I felt the anointing of the Lord on it, but I had no peace. And I was like, something is wrong. And I had, I just didn't feel it. I was like, I'm gonna get up here and I'm gonna be doing like three days, five and six hours of teaching every day and I don't have it, Lord. That was the weirdest feeling. I remember one of the young ladies, she told me, she said, it's going to be awesome. It's gonna be the most memorable conference you've ever done. And I was like, that's easy for you to say, you're gonna be sitting there. And so I just remember getting up on stage and going, 
hey, everybody, welcome. This is going to be an amazing conference. And all I could think of, like, I don't even want to be here, Lord. What is wrong with me? And I'm like, this is going to be the best conference ever. God's got something incredible for you. I was prophesying in faith to my emotions. And I said, well, let's welcome. I said, we have so many nations in this room because we had an international church. So I said, we have Indians. We have Africans. We have Chinese students. And then one of the girls said, we have Americans here. And I said, and Americans, because she was American. And Americans. And she said, no, we have Americans here. And I looked in the back and there was Mike. He had flown all the way from America and he was standing in the back with this big bouquet of flowers. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, it was the best thing ever. And the moment he got on stage, God's like, all right, now you can teach the conference. And that was the first time we ever taught together and the first time we ever taught relationships together. God brought them all the way over. And that conference was one of the most powerful conferences as the start of our preaching career. And so we love teaching about relationships because of that. Because if we don't understand what God's beautiful message is, then the enemy will try to sabotage it. Amen. So uh, Carrie and I were sitting down this morning talking about what we were going to share and bouncing ideas off of each other and just, you know, we were, we were just asking the Lord in, in prayer and then in talking to each other. And uh, she'd come up with an idea, I'd come up with an idea, and we'd just be talking through it and nothing, we didn't have peace about it. And then we came across one particular scripture verse um, and I really felt the Lord had us turn there and look at it and things just clicked with us in terms of that's the direction that we should be going today. So I believe that this is a word specifically for each and every single one of us who are here now as well as who are tuning in um, for such a time as this. So if you can open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Uh, we're going to talk about being strong and courageous. And uh, this is, you know, being strong and courageous is not just in everyday life. It's also how you apply it to every single relationship that's in your life. And it's important that we are bold in terms of how the Lord is speaking to us. You know, and it goes without saying, but we're going to say it anyways. These things, these things are always the most important things. And these, these verses are really going to highlight this as well, where our number one relationship is and what it should be and how that should impact all the other relationships that we have in our lives. But if you look over in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 2. Now, just to give you a little bit of a backdrop. So at this point, uh, Moses has already led the children out of Israel. He's, they, are, they, have, they have wandered in the desert for 40 years. We all know the story. Uh, um, uh, God has already spoken to Moses and told him that he will not enter into the promised land. And they were just on the cusp of the promised land. The whole time Moses was, was in charge, Joshua uh, was his second in command. He was there. And if you, if you look back in the book of Genesis, oftentimes what I really love about this is that Joshua... He, was, uh, he, he would go with Moses to the tabernacle and he would wait with Moses. But sometimes, oftentimes Moses would go back, but Joshua would wait behind. He had a real passion for God. He had a real passion to know who God was. I believe that, the, that he, had a, he had an understanding that when Moses went on to be with the Lord, because he, he obviously knew that Moses was not going to enter into the promised land, that he was going to be the leader. And he was already in time of preparation. 
And so if you, as you look here in, in, in Joshua chapter 1, it says, we can start off in um, verse 1. It says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoken to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Don't you just like it how God cuts right to the chase? You know, it's like, I know he was your brother. I know he was your leader. He was probably like a dad to you. But guess what? He's dead. <laughs> Get over it. I love, I love the Lord. <laughs> now, therefore, arise, go, the, go, go this Jordan, <clears throat> go over this Jordan, thou and all the people, unto the land which I will give unto, unto them, even to the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness of Lebanon, even to the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the, uh, the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of thy life. What a promise from God there, huh? I mean, that's just incredible. And that's a promise that you and I can have too. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance of the land, which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. Only thou be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe and do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right, from the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy ways prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we see a couple of things there that are promises to Joshua. First of all, he, said, he, told, he told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. Now, I think all of us can remember back in the book of Genesis, all the amazing miracles that happened with Moses. I mean, gosh, the parting of the Red Sea, the, I mean, the, the, the 12 plagues that came to Egypt, all these incredible things, the miracles that they saw walking through the desert, the, the loaves, the manna that fell every single day from heaven. The fact that God walked with Moses. Gosh, when people spoke against Moses, curses came upon them. It was incredible how God was with Moses. Uh, Moses, even, he, Moses even wrote how he was a friend of God. And now basically what God's saying, you know, it's, it's like Moses, my servant, just like I was with him, now I'm going to be with you. Only be strong and courageous. And then he goes on to say this. He said, he so that's, that's one relationship. Then the next relationship I want to point out here, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from in front of you. So he's talking about two relationships here. One, one the relationship with God and two, the relationship with the book of the law, with the word. Those are the two of the key relationships that we have in our lives. And what, Mo, what God is saying here is that we have to be strong and courageous in pursuing after those two individual things, after our relationship with God and after our relationship with the word. You know something? God loves you. We all know that God is passionately pursuing after us. We see that in the word. We see that in what Jesus did for us. But I want to put a challenge to you as well. How many of us are, are applying that same passion back to our pursuit of the Father? Are we being strong? Are we being courageous? When the world throws different things at us, are we standing firm and saying, I don't care what you have to do. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care how you ostracize me or the things that you, that you say about me. It doesn't make a difference because I know who I am in Christ. You know, we sang a song tonight, and I love this song. So you can have the rest of the world. Just give me Jesus. 
He's all I need. But how much are we living that on a day-to-day basis? You know, guys, there's so much power on the inside of you. The ability to pursue after God just like he pursues after you. The ability to love him with the same kind of love. To have that same passionate relationship back towards him as he has towards us. But are we being strong in that relationship with God? Are we being courageous? Are we letting that, that be the primary source of our life and then overflowing to the people that are around us? When you look at this verse and, and the reason that we wanted this to be the foundation that we came from tonight and our title talking about being strong and courageous, how do we be strong and courageous in relationships? Well, it's, it's, it, I'll take, tell you right now, it takes courage to be married. Okay, Sway? It takes courage to be married. You have to be strong and you have to find that strength in the Lord. And that strength in the Lord is what then produces the life of a relationship. And I'm not just talking about marriage. It takes courage to be single. Hallelujah. Who's single in the room? It takes courage to be single. It takes strength to be single. Any, re- any relationships has to come from the foundation of the Lord. And I like what he says here in verse, fi- in verse 5. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. For just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. You know, there is the opportunity in our life that people can stand before us. And we can let them stop our confidence. We can let them stop the call of God on their life. We can get complacent in it or we can feel defeated. And so this aspect of relationships is super important to the heart of God. Not only does he want to be a part of them, but he also says, I don't want them to dictate who you are. If our identity is found in Christ, then then through Christ, all of our relationships get to experience the overflow. When we talk about courage and we talk about strength in relationships, what do you need strength and courage for? Is it, what, what, what do you need strength and courage for? Well, we were talking about it today and just going through this. And you know, when you're single, how many of you are single in the room? Let's raise your hand. Okay. My kids, you need to raise your hands. Um, okay. How many of you are married in the room? All right. Yes. And... So when we look at relationships, relationships require change. So in a personal, number one, in singleness, you want to grow. You don't want to be like you were at 15, right? We want to grow. We want to mature. We want to actually, you know, have a job and pay our bills and, you know, learn some things. There's things as a single person we're discovering who we are and what God's called us to be and how do we step into that. And I'll tell you right now, it takes courage to follow the call of God on your life. Not just single, but married. It takes courage. To change in relationship, think about this, when um, Mike and I have always talked about this with relationship and when you're single and when you find someone that you're going to marry, singles in this room, there is a death to self that occurs. And all the married people said, amen. amen. There is something that's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm not the center of the universe anymore. It's not all what I want, when I want, how I want it, and how much I want to pay for it. <laughs> or how much I'm willing to pay for it. 
right? All of a sudden, now there's a bigger considerations of, okay, now I'm now living in relationship with someone else, right? And so there's a change. There's a death to self. And then after you learn the nuances of living with each other and the toilet paper roll and the, you know, the finances and the refrigerator and the drinking out of the milk carton and leaving your socks on the floor. Only some of those were Mike, by the way. I'll let you guess which ones. And... I do not drink out of the milk carton. And, um... And I, I, I do. And, um... So... All of those things, then once you kind of find the rhythm of that, you decide to procreate, which takes a whole other level. When you birth a child, when you start to have children, <laughs> it's a whole other level death to self. Amen. And all the parents said, and then you get a dog. Oh my gosh, and that totally <laughs> takes a nosedive at that nose point. Nosedive at that point. But there's this aspect of then how do you continue to allow change? Because relationships involve change. Sometimes we just accept it as, oh, whatever, that's life. You get married, you have kids, they grow up, they become teenagers, you go off to college, you empty nest, and people just have this idea that change is just, well, whatever. I'll tell you right now, if you invite the Lord into relationship, then every single part of change with this courage and this strength of God starts to be intentional. Now every season of your life starts to have the aspect where we've invited this relationship with God and this relationship with the word of God into all of those aspects, into singleness, into marriage, into parenting, and then the dynamics of the people who God puts around you as friendships. All of these things start to say, Lord, I want them to be intentional, which means you'll need to apply the courage of the Lord. Because to change means that you can't just stay in your own what I want, when I want, how I want it. Amen. Amen. You know, um, that's so, and, and it's not only about marriage, it's not only about kids. Obviously, those are two huge relationships. But how many people in here have jobs? Hopefully, most people's hands go up. Um, and typically, when you have jobs, you have coworkers, and you have relationships with coworkers as well. And, and you know something, the relationship that we have with the Lord, the relationship that we have with the Word is meant, again, to overflow into all those different relationships that we have with everybody else. How many people have in-laws? How many people have uh, extended families? <laughs> <laughs> we always say it's the in-laws, the in-laws, the outlaws, and the exes. It's figuring out how to do all of it. We, 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 we all have extended families as well, you know, and we're called to be strong and courageous with our relationship with God to allow that relationship to impact those people around us. You know, Psalms chapter one, I bet you most of us can quote this in here. Uh, I'm not, I can't, so I'm going to read it from the word. <laughs> it says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So we're not supposed to walk, stand, or sit, or have any type of that progression in terms of being influenced by the world and allowing them to dictate how we treat them or anybody else around us. We're supposed to be in relationship with God and allow that relationship to be the dominating factor in our lives. That relationship with the word, that relationship with God, allowing that to impact those people around us. You know, I used to work in a prison. 
I now work in a, in a Bible school. You know, <laughs> night and day, very polar opposites in terms of how things, well, kind of. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, um, in terms of how things are actually flow, you know. And I'll tell you something, I've been in situations before where it wasn't all that popular to, to have my beliefs, to, to, be in a, in a, in a, to be a Christian in a non-Christian environment. But are we going to stand strong? Are we going to allow the, the relationship we have with the Lord to be the dominating factor when people are pulling out pornography or people are, are, are swearing and doing all these other things or people... I remember one time uh, there, was an, there was an officer, and the inmates, you, could do, you, you, you kind of expected it, but there was actually an officer who had a homosexual inmate go up and, hit, and told him to go hit on me. And I was just like, really? I mean, you have, you have to be careful. You have to watch your back. You have to make sure that you're guarded and that you're, you're, you're in relationship with the Lord and you're being strong, you're being courageous, you're being passionate about pursuing after the Lord because you never know what the enemy's trying to do. You never know the influences that he's trying to have in your life. And I'll tell you something, guys. It's in, I look at Joshua, and you know, going back even further from Joshua, you look at Moses. You remember when the children of Israel, they first came to Mount Sinai? And what did they first see when they came to Mount Sinai? They saw, this, they saw the, the mountain of God, the, the, the cloud and the thunders and the lightnings descending upon the mountain. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about how even Moses, uh, the, the Bible says that even Moses was exceedingly afraid and trembled. But if you look in Exodus chapter 20, the Bible, said, the Bible says that God said to Moses, come up here. And, when he, and you know something, the first thing that Moses did is he went up there. He was afraid. He was, he was concerned. Gosh, Moses could have died because earlier God had said nobody can come onto the mountain. But now, now God's saying, Moses, now you, you're going to come up here and then you're going to bring the children of Israel up. And Moses, you know something? He was strong. He was courageous. He said, you know what, something, Lord, even if this kills me, I'm still going to do what, you, what, I'm, what, what you've told me to do. Yeah. It doesn't make a difference because my life is in your hands. My relationship with you is more important than my relationship with anybody or anything else in this world. And he was strong. He was courageous. He climbed the mountain. And, and at that point, he said, okay, now bring the children of Israel up. And, 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 uh, and Moses said, but Lord, you said nobody can come up. And he said, well, I'd like to, I'd like to have them come up now. So he goes back down and tells the children of Israel. And they say, heck no, we ain't going up. <laughs> There's no way in the world we're going up. You just go up. You, you find out what God wants to, us to do. You come back down. You tell us and we'll do it. So that was their relationship with God. And Moses got to have that, that encounter, that personal encounter with the Father because he was strong and he was courageous and he was unrelenting in pursuit of his relationship with God. Yeah, and you know what's amazing about that? That was the old covenant. Do you know when the, fate, when, when the presence of God passed by Moses, they, his hand had to cover him in the cleft of a rock because he couldn't speak face to face with God. Do you know that Jesus opened up the pathway, opened up the door to heaven for you and I? And now, just like Pastor Tessa sang earlier today, face to face with the Father. We can come into a relationship with him, but are we going to do that? Are we going to be strong? Are we going to be courageous? Is that relationship going to dictate all of our other relationships? Is that relationship is, is going to be the one that we pursue with all of our hearts and becomes the dominating factor in our lives? I think it's interesting, you know, uh, and I didn't actually realize this until Mike was ministering this one time, about God actually invited the children of Israel to come up to the mountain. 
and they refuse and say, you, you go for us. And if we're not careful, this can sometimes be the way we reproach God. We go and we're hoping someone else will teach us the word of the Lord. Someone else will guide us. You tell us what to do and then we'll choose if we're going to obey it. Versus that you and I have been invited into relationship. We've been invited to experience the presence of God. So we're not putting the pressure of our relationship on anyone else, nor our relationships on anyone else. See, this is what happens in the same way that we have relationship with God. God gives us a choice of how we bring change to the relationships around us. Many times the reason why there's such conflict in relationship is we're going like this. Well, if they change, I'll change. If they, if they get better, I'll get better. And we're waiting for other people to be intentional about change. So we were saying before, one of the things we have to be courageous in is we have to be intentional about change. The second thing is we have to be intentional about growth. It's not just change. It's not just, okay, whatever happens will happen. No, actually, you can start to be led by the Lord, and you're the one leading the change. And in the process, you have courage to grow. You have courage to say, Lord, I don't want the world's mentalities to be the way I do relationship. I remember before we got married, one of the, there was a lady, one, she was on my team in Russia, and she said, Carrie, the thing that damages relationships the most is expectations. Expectations. And I remember thinking about that. She just kind of said it in passing. But I remember I went home, and I felt like the Lord was just stirring this in my heart. So I started talking to him about it. I'm like, what do you mean? What, what, is, what is the difficulty? What is she talking about? And it was the aspect of when there's expectations. How many of you have had an expectation of something and you didn't even know it until it wasn't met? And then all of a sudden, it was like, excuse me? <laughs> even though it was unspoken, you had an expectation, and when that person didn't fulfill it, you had this opportunity to get offended. You had this opportunity to get mad. You had this opportunity to, to you know, be snide or whatever it was, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in relationship, love relationship, whether it's in dating. You have expectations, and so I felt like the Lord said, I want to deal with your expectations all the good ones, all the bad ones. Because I was always saying when I grew up, I am not going to be like my mom. And the Lord told me, you know, your mom wasn't bad in everything. I was like, oh, sorry, Lord. Oh, your parents' relationship, this is what was good, and this is what was bad. And I had built up expectations about love, sex, marriage, finances, all of these things, and I didn't even know it. Why? Because unknowingly, I'd let the world write my expectations. And sometimes even as a believer, we have these ideas of what relationships supposed to look like. I'll tell you right now, if you will allow God to touch your expectations and you apply the courage of the Lord to change in them, then all of a sudden your expectations start to get pulled apart in a good way by the Holy Spirit so that it's no longer the things of the world. You don't have this expectation like the world because I'm telling you right now, the expectations of the world are poor. They're poor. How they describe things and say something is supposed to be, it is a poor substitute. You are worth so much more than what the world has tried to write and say you can only look like this. Marriage only can, only, marriage, you know, uh, you know, after five years, it's kind of boring. 
Or, you know, once your kids, your kids are going to go crazy when they're teenagers. And you're always, you're going to be in debt for at least 30, 40 years, 50 years at the most. Guys, that is not your calling. You don't have to get a broken heart every six months. Hallelujah, singles. You can be led by the Lord, focused on the Lord, finding the right one at the right time, doing the right thing, going the right place. Amen? We don't have to let the world write our expectations. And then we have to submit like a slave to the world's expectations of you. I'm telling you right now, the what God wants for our marriages and for our families and for every single relationship in your life can be supernatural. Can be so led by the Lord that when people look at it, they can tell, yeah, that's God. I remember whenever I would call Mike, uh, so again, we're eight hours, was it eight or 12? It was 10 hours difference. It was an even number. Um, 10 hours difference in Russia to Massachusetts. And uh, so we call at night. So it was his morning when he called me at night. And then at night, I'd call him in the morning. But I remember when I would call him, he would just be getting to the prison. He'd just be getting to work. And so I'd call and I would be, you know, I was always trying to be like, you know, real professional. Hello, is Lieutenant Ticket available, please? And they would always know it was me. And they're all like, yeah, we'll get to the lover boy for you. So all these other, all these other uh, officers were like, woo, okay, we'll get a lover boy for you. And they gave him a hard time. So anyway, but I was always trying to like, Lieutenant Pickett. And, um, but it was funny because when we had our wedding reception in Massachusetts, there's all these prison guards there. And like 92 or five or 99% of them were not believers. And so they were a little... Rough around the the edges. (laughs) But they would come up to me and they were like, they would look at Mike and I like, this thing, this thing, this is God. I'll tell you, if you do it God's way, even the world will see that something is unique about your relationship. Something's unique about your marriage. Something is unique about your family because you invited, you had the courage to live past what, what just the little conditions or boundaries the world tries to set. And you say, you know what? We're going to go beyond that. That's the beauty of God being involved and you inviting God into the growth of that. You know, Carrie, what Carrie just said there about expectations, I really want to challenge you to allow God to establish your expectations. Allow him to be the author of those things. And the best book that I know to talk about that is, you know, uh, when it comes to just everyday relationships in the book of Ephesians, in, starting in chapter 5, Paul lays out um, very clearly on how we're supposed to relate. The first part of chapter 5 talks about relating with the, with the world that's around us, being children of God and being and walking in the light. Then it goes on and talks to hus- about husbands and wives. And it says, Josue, listen to this. It says, wives, you're, you're, you're supposed to submit to your husbands. Hallelujah. Husbands, you're supposed to love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it goes on to further talk about children and how they're, how they're supposed to act. Later on, it talks about servants and masters, when, of course, we can interpret that towards today probably more like the lines of employees, employers. And so, but the expectations are established in chapters one through, through four. Because in chapter one, um, Paul, when he's writing, he lays this foundation and he says, guys, 
This is who you now are. You're no longer of this world. You're of a different world. You've, received, you've already received an inheritance because Jesus died for you. So everything, every single promise already belongs to you. And now Jesus has gone and ascended into heaven. That's where he's sitting. Chapter 2 goes on and talks about how now you and I are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So now we're with him. We're no longer led by this world. Now we're led by our relationship with the Father. It's not about the influences that happen to us. It's now about... <clears throat> The, uh, the passion that God births on the inside of us goes on to chapter 3 and how Paul lays down the burden that he has. He gives an example. He says, guys, look at me. Look at my life. I'm passionate about the, the, the Gentiles. God has shed this abroad in my life and now I'm going forth and I'm ministering to the Gentiles. It goes on in chapter 4 and it starts talking about how the, the church have, has been empowered with all these different gifts. He talks about the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and the pastors and how the church is now going to equip you to walk soberly in this world, to walk righteously in this world. And then in chapter five, he goes on to talk about those relationships on what they should look like. And he starts building on those different things. You see, chapters one through four establish what the expectations should be. That if, no matter what this world is throwing at you, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're seated in heavenly places. You're loved of God and you've been, you're being equipped by the church. So don't be influenced by this world. Be influenced by the passion that God has in your pursuit with him and the fact that he's pursuing after you. Be influenced by the word of God. Allow that to be your main driving point. Don't allow, don't allow this world to give you expectations. I'll tell you something. The last place the body of Christ needs to be looking for any type of relationship advice is in the world. That's the last place. And unfortunately, oftentimes it's the first place we go. Because, I'll tell you, the world's concepts of relationship will always partner with your flesh. It will tell you you have a right to be offended. It's, it tells you that it's okay to have lust. It tells you how to demonstrate, act out, and do that lust. It will tell you why you should cater to your timing, your whims, and why you are the most important person. And why if someone can't serve you and be with you and honor you and, and totally submit to you, you should just leave them. The world's advice will always partner with your flesh. And that's why you become smaller and smaller with the world's counsel. Your heart becomes harder. Your eyes become more darkened because it's all about you. But when we have, again, going to this word, it takes courage to say no to our flesh. It takes courage to say, no, that temptation is not the real me. No, God in me is bigger than that. You know, I don't know if you've ever had an argument with someone that you love. Have you ever had an argument with someone that you love where you really, really just wanted to win? Okay, maybe that's just me. And so, and, and, and your flesh is, has all these things it wants to say. And the world will tell you, and the devil's telling you, you have a right to demonstrate and release what you're feeling. But it's the flesh. And it takes courage to swallow your pride. It takes courage to tell yourself be quiet. <laughs> but God, I have something brilliant to say. 
It's absolutely brilliant. It'll get him with this one. God's like, Bip. It's going into the other room and dealing with your own pride. Guys, that takes courage. It takes courage to say, the real me is going to show up. And who's the real you? That is the spirit of God himself that lives inside of you and I. That is the real you. And that's the real you that has been called to show up in every relationship in your life. And when the real you shows up, that's when people see the heart of God. That's when people see your character. That's when people see your calling. That's when favor and divine opportunities come because the real you showed up in that moment. And you had the courage and the strength to say no to your flesh, no to your anger, no to your offense, no to your know-it-all attitude that you want to insert in a conversation. Amen. You release that and say, nope, that's not the real me. Because when that happens, then the glory of the Lord truly becomes something that people can see in your life. And not just in your life, in your relationships. Sometimes people will say, it's been this way for so long, I don't know how to change. Whether single or married. And probably I hear this most from married. Well, we've kind of got in our rhythm, it's kind of a rut. You know what they say about ruts? It's a grave with the two ends knocked off. You kind of got in your rhythm. I just don't see. That sounds great, but I just don't see how we could change. Or wife or husband will say, I'm willing to change, but the other one is not. Can I tell you that relationship with God, if you invite God into the relationship, he will always bring change. You just have to follow the Holy Spirit and choose not to be the Holy Spirit to someone else. Ooh, sometimes that's hard. Let me tell you what the Lord Jesus says and how it will affect and bless me. <laughs> Thus says the Lord, this is how you need to change and grow. When you say Lord, you gotta say Lord. Lord. Thus says the Lord, right? Right, we have to choose not to be the Holy Spirit in someone's life, but just instead say Lord. The aspect of relationship with you, it is strong enough to have an overflowing effect of change in the lives around you. You believe that your relationship with God is powerful enough to overflow. And then the Holy Spirit can use your overflow, right? He can, and that's single or married. Or single again or married again. All of those things, when we allow the relationship with God to come in, Oh, the overflow starts to look beautiful and it starts to initiate change within other people. Amen. You know, going towards the end of uh, Ephesians chapter six, um, it goes on to talk about putting on the whole armor of God, you know, and so that we can stand against the wiles of the enemy because the enemy is going to try to destroy us. He's going to try to destroy the people that are around us through our relationships with them. And it's important that we do arm ourselves with all the equipment that God has already provided for us in Christ Jesus. If you look over in Proverbs chapter 3, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 3, we all know these verses very well again, and, and they're very powerful verses. Starting in verse 5, it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all their ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It's amazing. It goes, all, all goes back to our relationship with God. 
How do we perceive God? Are we putting him first in our lives? Are we being wise in our own eyes? Are we trusting more in our relationships with our own opinions or our relationship with God's opinions in our lives? It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Verse number nine, it says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all thine increase. You know, sometimes we look at that and we think that that's our money. And I believe that it is. But I also believe that that's part of our, part of that is our relationships. What do, you, what do you put more value on, your money or, your, or the people that you know, your relationships, the people that are in your lives? Those are your, the, the, that's your substance. That really is the way that you connect with the rest of this world. So we honor the Lord through our relationships. We honor him by putting him first. We honor him by just saying, Lord, I'm not going to trust in my own understanding. I'm not going to trust in my own wisdom. I'm going to trust in you. And I'm going to pursue after you. And in doing that, I'm going to be a conduit. I'm going to be a change agent to some, to some people. Or I'm going to be a person who spurs other people's on. You know what's amazing about all this in terms of, you know, we're talking about our pursuit of the Lord. God is every single day, every single moment, he's pursuing after our hearts. He, he, he wants deep, a deep, intimate relationship with you and I. He wants to know us. He wants to show us the things that he's thinking. I'll tell you, when we were, we were given a handwritten invitation by the, in the blood of Jesus into, into having a relationship with, with the triune Godhead. And in Christ Jesus, we can know the thoughts of God. You know, Isaiah, you know, you know uh, when God was talking amongst himself, Isaiah was brought into the heavenlies and he saw him talking and, and God said, who are we going to send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah, Isaiah said, "Woo! look at me, look at me, jumping up and down. Here I am, I'll go for you. You know something, guys? We don't have to be afar off looking at God's conversations. We can be in the center of those conversations with the Father having a relationship with him, talking with him every single day, allowing that to be our motivation for our lives, the driving factor that propels us every single day to walk in love, to be different, to be the salt, to be the light, to be the change agents, to be the, to, to be the peacemakers that are around us. We talked about courage to be intentional about change. Courage to not look like the world have the courage to grow. And the last thing we want to share is you and I need to have the courage to serve. Again, this is where we don't constantly keep ourselves as the idol of our life. It's me, it's all about me, what do I want? And you can actually think of yourself first in every single relationship. And that's not healthy and it's not godly. The aspect of serving when you come into relationships and singles, let me tell you something. One of the biggest things that you get the privilege of doing right now as a single person, and it is, it is a precious time and you do not want to waste this time. You get the privilege to figure out who you really are. And if you don't know who you are, you will marry the wrong person. Because when you know who you are and you know, and this is the next thing, not only knowing who you are, you know who he's called you to be. This is so critical of this time, understanding your gifts, your calling, and your purpose. 
And you may not know all the details. That's okay. But I'm telling you, God's wanting to show you things right now as single. I mean, if God showed me at 10 what I was going to do with my life, that I was going to be a missionary and a minister, I'm sorry, God can show you right now. Stop whining. You don't know how to hear God. You know how to hear God, and he can show you right now. And then you get the privilege of starting to walk in that. And you get to serve the Lord with your calling. Because what happens, and this leads into marriage, and for those of you that are married, when you get married, now it's not about just your calling. And hey, Lord, here's my life, living in surrender to the calling of God on your life. Now you get the privilege of serving the calling in your spouse. And it takes courage to lay down your own agendas and serve another person. It takes courage to swallow what you want when you want it to lift up someone else. And then together, we have to make sacrifices to lift up our children and serve our children because we believe God's gonna, God's shooting them into a generation our feet will never touch. And so when you think about this aspect of serving, my, my, the call of God on my life, and I definitely have a call. I know what it is and I'm pursuing it. But I'll tell you what the call of God on my life is outside of serving the Lord, you know, loving Jesus. It's to make this man great. That's the call of God on my life. And I'll tell you, if you can get to that Lord, how do I build him? Lord, how can I serve him? Lord, how can I not be the Holy Spirit today for you, but let you be the Holy Spirit today, right? Then what happens, it's gonna release the anointings of God and the giftings of God out of him. That takes courage to serve another person. And if we are so self-centered right now, it's hard to lay that down the moment we say, I do. The moment the ring goes on the finger, it doesn't mean that you die to self. <laughs> Hallelujah. It means, hey, this is a greater, I'm committing, I'm committing that I'm going to serve and I'm going to have the courage to serve someone else. Amen. So being intentional about change, being intentional about growth, and being intentional about serving. Because I remember we were teaching one time and Mike was teaching and that's what Mike said about me. He said, the call of God on my life is to make Carrie great. And I remember standing there and feeling so humbled and wanting to be more back to him because that was his attitude towards me. That takes courage, not just in marriage, but then in the people that God has placed. And this is where we have to evaluate. Are all the people in our life from God? right? That's some of that being intentional. Are all the relationships spurring me on towards God or are they holding me back? Are there influence and, and perspective of people around me that are, are truly holding me back from being who God's called me to be? And that's between you and the Lord and I'm going to ask you to pray about that. But in the people that God has put around your life right now, what's something courageous that God is asking you to do to serve them? You know, again, um, I know this can be sobering in relationships. Sometimes, we, or hopefully, they're, they're fun as well in terms of talking about them, and, and I believe that they are. But there's also a seriousness that we need to have in terms of being intentional for our walk <clears throat> because the world is, is trying to, to shape the way that we all think. 
And it's important that we go back to the word. We, as servants, as leaders, as, as men and women of God that he's called us to, to allow that relationship with him to be our driving motivation, to be the factor that, that dictates how we think and how we act to the people around us. And, in ter- and also in terms of our, when, we're, when we're by ourselves, are we going to be pursuing after God? Are we going to keep, be keeping his precepts first in our hearts? You know, um, I, uh, I'm very blessed to have found the person that God has absolutely ordained for me for the rest of my life, and that's in my wife. And, and I know that she has found that, and the Lord has spoken that to me as well. And, uh, and one thing that I know that we both try to do with each other is we do put each other first, and that's really what God is calling us to do is put the other person first within marriage. When you're not within marriage, your priority is your relationship with God. Until that moment that ring goes on the finger, that's your number one priority that you pursue after. Now, that's, that doesn't change in marriage. That marriage that stays your number one priority, but there's other things that come in and are more of a factor to think about. And so we want to encourage you, if you are single right here in this place, you, you seek God with all your heart. You passionately pursue him. Even if you're in a relationship and not married yet, you pursue him like there's no tomorrow because now is the time that you need to hear his voice clearer than ever. Because you need to know God's voice to be married. And if you're married, you need to be seeking God together. Not just, and yes, we have individual relationships with God. You never lose your individual relationship. In fact, it's the individual relationship that will continue to guide you and teach you so that you can then have that relationship together with the Lord as you're running a race now together in marriage. So uh, we just want to pray over you and just, just to remind you that you're meant to manifest the kingdom of God on this earth. And the, way, the best way that we all can do that is getting to know the king in the kingdom getting to know him, having, coming into relationship with him, and then making him known to all the people that are around us. And we would encourage you, and we want to remind you that you have the Spirit of God inside of you so you can be strong and courageous. You have the ability to bring the courage of the kingdom of God into every single relationship and into this world for such a time as this. Amen? And if there are relationships in this room that are unhealthy, maybe it's friends or family or acquaintances, and we've just allowed their perspectives and their rough edges and their carnality to kind of just mellow us in our pursuit, I'm telling you, you're the only one who can change that. And God's given you the opportunity to say, I'm going to link up with people that are courageous and intentional in their relationships with God. And for every marriage in this room, you're not just called to live a black and white marriage. It can be full color, full color marriage, full color reflection of God and the kingdom. And so God has something even more for you if you're willing to let him take the boundaries off of this world and be intentional about it. So can we stand? I'm excited for every relationship in this room. You know why? Because it's how you change the world. Sometimes we think, oh, how can I change the world? I'm not a missionary. The way you change the world is through relationships. Your light and your overflow touching people. Your, uh, your light, your overflow touching your neighbors. Your light, your overflow touching your coworkers. 
That's how you change your world. Sometimes we keep thinking, oh, well, God can't use me because I'm not out there. No, God puts you right where you are for such a time as this. And there is a life of God. He has so much that he wants to flow out of you in this season like never before. Because we are not called to sit down with a basket on our heads looking just like the world. He's called us, get on top of the mountain, take that basket off and shine. Be something different. Look different. Be different. Where people look at you and say, you're crazy. And you're like, I know. (laughs) Amen. God has anointed you to change your world, and you start it with your relationships. You'll never believe you can go past anywhere else in your calling if you believe that everything around you is destined to be broken. The devil can tell you that everything around you, all your family, all your relationship, your marriage, your kids, everything's broken. It's only going to be like this. You know what you do? Hope dies and you do not step up and say, God, here I am, use me. Because the devil's telling you, you couldn't even do the five, six people around you. So you know what we're going to do? <laughs> we're going to take the five, six people around us and they're going to touch their circle and they're going to touch their circle. Amen. And we're going to see revival can happen out of your life simply by your ownership of relationships. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you for this time together. And thank you for inviting us into relationship with you. And today, we do not take for granted the overflow that can come out of us and touch the people around us. And so for every person that's in this room and the circle around them, Lord, I thank you right now for the courage to be different and to change those relationships. I thank you, Lord, that they are strong in the word and let that overflow cause them to shine like never before. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that... You built a bridge over an, an impasse for us. We had no chance, but Father, you made a way. And that which was two, you made one. We just thank you, Father, for that. And now, Lord, I think you constantly remind us who we are in you and who you are in us, Father. And you constantly are showing us, Lord, that we're called to make a difference in this world, that we're called to bring truth, that we're called to bring your presence, your kingdom to the people around us. I thank you, Father, that your word will be the driving factor. And Lord, I just thank you that as we go to your word, Lord, that revelation, understanding comes to us greater than ever before. That we fall in love with you, brand new, Lord, deeper and greater than we've ever been before, Father. And in doing that, Lord, that we then have the boldness and the courage to step forth and make you known to this world that needs you more than ever before. We love you, Father. We thank you that you've equipped us with everything we need to know you, and to have success in this life and to walk in victory. We commit our lives into your hands again, Father, and we, we're just excited and we're, we're expectant of an incredible future that you have in store for us. I thank you, Father, that you're constantly drawing us. And now, Lord, we just say yes and we respond to that draw. We purpose in our hearts to know you more, Father, than we ever have before going forward. And in doing that, Lord, to walk in greater peace, to greater victory, greater understanding. 
We just commit this time into your hands, Lord. I thank you, the Holy Spirit. You remind us of the things that you communicated to each one of our hearts today as we continue to step out of this place. We love you, Father, and we bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If this message blessed you, please subscribe and share this with a friend. You can tune back in next week for another great message from Freedom Church.